and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Alright everybody, this is Brother Frank, and welcome to another broadcast of the Remnant Call, and just glad to have you here. You know, praise God, Remnant Call, we have been at it now for, I don't know, over two and a half years, and just thanking God that he's blessed this show. The exciting thing is, the Remnant Call, we've grown uh, on our YouTube channel, we're just about at 4,000 subscribers, but we usually, you know, get anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 to 10,000, depends on listens in a week. Um, and we get about 20,000 listens every month on overall on everything. And so I'm just thanking God. This show didn't come from anything that I had. I'm a nobody. Nobody knows who Brother Frank is except for the listeners here. Praise God. No big show ever kicked this off. Only God himself has helped this show along. So, Lord, thank you so much in the name of Jesus for blessing this show. And we want to be faithful to the call of God. And being faithful to the call of God is not just simply coming on and getting a show, having people to get ratings, but it's sticking to the truth. It's sticking to telling people what is really going on in the world. And that's what the Remnant Call does. We do not sell out this show just to get ratings. We want to have people on here that are willing to tell the truth no matter what the cost because they believe that advancing the kingdom is more important than ratings or how much offering that people are getting in here. And the Remnant Call, you notice we, or this show never asks for money. Never asks for money. We do thank those who do support but not asking for it. If, if that's something God leads you to do, then that's fine. We, we thank God for that. But this show never ever asks for money because we this is not what it's about i don't have a problem with people that live and are supported by god that's that is biblical but i don't want you to come on here every week feeling like somebody's going to be hitting you up for something i want you to come listen to the remnant call knowing that the truth of god will be delivered in a way that it's understandable that will enrich your life and if it does step on your toes it will lead you to repentance to a deeper walk with god let's open with prayer father in the name of yeshua thank you so much for the blessings that you give so i pray to tonight's episode will be edifying to the body of believers around the world. And Lord, that if there's anything in our lives that we need to repent of, forsake, to turn from, Lord, that you would reveal it and then give us the grace to overcome, because we ask it in the name of, of Yeshua, and thank you. Amen. Folks, I told you something about last week at the beginning of the show, and praise God, if you didn't hear the Church of Laodicea with Brother Benjamin's episode last, you need to go check that out. And We also mentioned about a new book that he has coming out 
it's going to be the, I believe, the fourth one in the in the uh, Search the Scripture series called The Door. And he he's almost got it done, folks. And listen, Brother Benjamin doesn't write books to line his pockets. He produces, he, he publishes, he pays for everything himself. He literally just puts out a book to advance the kingdom. And he was telling me how absolutely excited this book he is so fired up so we're going to have him back on when that comes out but there was something else that i shared last week because last week was a horrible horrible week for me it was it was a terrible time you know if you know my story people that know me have listened to through the years you've understood i my life of a of addiction um, drug addiction, everything, pretty much about any sin that could be committed, I have committed it uh, to the extreme. And God was faithful uh, 20 years ago now, as of March, uh, to save my life and my family. But at 20 years ago, I stepped away by God's grace when on coming home from work one day, I met Jesus for the first time in my life. I got saved outside of a church. I didn't even know how to be saved. But I shut the door on the past. I shut the door to everything that could possibly bring me down because I knew that when the Lord saved my life, I needed to close that off. And I did. And I, I did for a good reason because I know that I have an extremely addictive personality and the temptation to even hang around people could pull me back in. And I didn't want that to ever happen. And I'm a strong advocate of that. Um, but I got news uh, last week. Uh, it was tough news that my best friend growing up died from um, drinking and and some other stuff, and uh, it hurt real bad. And you know, the first thing that kind of went through my mind was, I wish I would have reached out more and. Um, Last Sunday, I went to his funeral this past week, and um, you know he was uh, he was an amazing person. He, um, him and his brothers, they were all good friends of mine. He was the, the youngest one, the one that passed away was my best friend. And these these boys were bad. These boys were the baddest boys around. I mean, they were tough brothers, and um, I was close to all of them. And uh, the sad thing was, though, is that he died. And I don't know where he stood with the Lord, if at all. And um, I hated that. And so I was talking to his oldest brother, which unfortunately, right after the Lord had saved my life, he and his oldest brother got into a fight so bad that they didn't talk for 20 years. And as I was talking to his oldest brother in the, in the vehicle, um, I was sitting out in my driveway and I was listening to him cry because his brother would never let it go. And the guilt he feels because he, his brother died without, without talking to him. So I went down to find one of the other brothers, the middle one. I was not able to find him at home. And I finally found his son and I was talking to his son and I, and I said to his son, I said, hey, have you seen your uncle, uh, the oldest brother, the one that the youngest brother and the older hadn't talked for all those years? I said, have you seen him? And he said, no. He said, I wouldn't even know what he looked like. 
And, and come to find out, none of the brothers were talking at all. And I'll tell you, man, there is nothing in this life worth not talking to your family and going to the grave and carrying that guilt for the rest of your life. Last Sunday, as I got up and I came out here in the living room and I just sat down, it was the funeral day, and I, I just sat and I just cried. And so I went to the funeral and I saw all my old friends and a lot of them there. And I'll tell you, my wife can tell you, life's not been good to many. One particular friend's in such bad shape from so many years of abuse that uh, his his wife, I guess, or girl, whatever at the time, um, she had to help him around. He could hardly even get around. And... You know, I just thought, what am I doing? I, I, I know I shut the door off, but at the same time, and I believe you've got to do that, at the same time I realized, Frank, it's time you've got to reach back out. i got to do something different because I don't want to see another one of my good friends like that go to the grave without someone stepping up and sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, I can justify it all day long, and I do believe I needed to shut that door off, folks. You can't get off crack if you're hanging out at the crack house. But I decided last week, enough's enough. And um, I told the oldest brother, I said, I'll never let that much time pass again without coming over to see you. And I talked to the middle brother, too, and boy... Just seeing the look at him on the funeral, knowing his youngest brother was gone, and, and the looks on the face, and watching the family and the mom and everybody crying. and Folks, it's just not enough time to mess around. I, I, can, I know that I, I can't sit here and dwell upon what I didn't do, but I can make a change for what I do in the future. And I just want to say to anybody right here, if you've got a family member that you've been struggling with, you've been, you've been um, having that issue or you don't want to talk to them. And, and I understand you've got to let some time pass when there's things happen. Don't let it go too long. Because when they're gone, they're gone. I'll never get to see my best friend again. Never. I'll never, ever get to see him again. But I'll be darned if I won't reach out more to his brothers. Because we are living in the last days in a time when, when we've got to do something. And I, and I understand, folks, it's the family and friends sometimes that are hardest to reach out to. And I, and I admit, I, I was guilty. I had a reputation back in the day, and I had a lot of pride in my reputation. You know, I wanted people to know that I was a fighter. I was bad. I was somebody not to be messed with. And that pride was something I, I realized is even even going back around, you seeing old people, you know, you kind of realize it's still down deep in there. And if I was to let it out, it could fester and manifest quickly again. But it, nothing is worth missing out. And I just ask that you could keep them in prayer. And keep me in prayer as I try to reach out to the family to share the love of Jesus with them. 
Um, I want to see everybody that I know come to the Lord. And, you know, for years I've been able to reach out with drug addicts and everything else, and, and, and it's not been an issue. And it's funny that one guy that I did see there that I told you couldn't walk very well, I said, I said to a man, I said, do you remember me? He said, yeah. And he said the last time he remembered me was that Bible study in jail, when I had seen him in jail at the Bible study. And um, so, praise God, at least he remembered that. And um, I hope maybe the Lord, that seed still there, and, and he thinks about it when he went home. But um, please pray for him. Please pray the Lord will open the door. And I'm, I'm not going to focus on this through everything tonight. I just wanted to share with you all that, that sometimes you have things in life that you do that you do anything to give just one more moment to go back and change it. And that's one of those one more moments I wish I could have gone back and changed. You know, but the problem we're facing now, folks, and this was a reality check to me because I realized there's a lot of places I've reached out and tried and done things, and it's been great. But I also realized sometimes I've neglected some of the things that were closest to me. But on the other side, I've got some good news. I was at my birthday the other uh, in Texas the other week, and um, I was getting ready to go eat with my brother-in-law and my buddy Todd. And out of the out of nowhere, my phone rang, and I answered the phone, and it was my sister calling me from prison. And I was so excited when she was so happy to tell me that she was now on a dance praise team in, tr in prison, and she was so excited. And I don't care what you feel, think about dance praise teams. It doesn't matter to me. I was so happy to know that she is excited about God. Because all I want to do is see my sister come to Jesus. She's done a lot of bad. She's done a lot of bad things, and I have too. But I believe the Lord's going to save this woman's life with all my heart. I've believed it for 20 years. And uh, so please keep my sister too. Her name's Sharia in, in, in prayer. And um, so praise God. But folks, I want to share tonight a message with you. The unrepentant church. And the reason I'm sharing this message to you, because last week what happened was a wake-up call again for me. It was a wake-up call to start seeing some parts of my life, even when it comes to witnessing and reaching out and doing other things that I need to wake up to. And in order to be strong, to wake up, to be able to reach out, you have to be weak first. And what I mean by that is brokenness in the Lord leads to strength and boldness in this world. Let me say that again. Brokenness in the Lord leads to strength and boldness in this world. See, when the Lord breaks us down, when we allow him into our heart to challenge us in order to expose the darkness from within, when we allow him to dig into that deep dark, hidden sin that you don't want anybody to know about and allow him to perform that holy surgery from on high. In that weakness, God brings about strength to take on the very worst of issues in this world. 
See, reaching out to the homeless, reaching out to the lost, reaching out to other people wasn't the issue for me. It was going back now and reaching out to some of the people that I grew up with that I'm struggling with. And I realized that out of this broken situation, I need to do something about it. Unfortunately, the Lord had to break me in a harder way instead of me allowing him to come in uh, because I was open to receiving it. But when my best friend died, it broke me and shook me hard. You see, when we don't allow the Lord to come in to perform this surgery, we end up building this callousness around our hearts. And this callousness around our hearts begins to cover it in such a way that we, we like to hear or do whatever feels good because surgery can hurt. And there's some soreness that comes with surgery. You see, but it, when you drop a seed on the ground, if it doesn't die, it will not open up and then receive the nutrients from the ground. But if the seed dies and opens up, then the ground will, will give the nutrients and then the plant will grow and flourish. And it's the same way with God. If you are willing to die to self, allow the Lord to reach down in and break open that hard heart then the nutrients from the Lord will come in and make that change that you are not willing to make the change. You see, when, when you're superficial, when the roots don't go deep down into the soil, anything that comes along will quickly blow and topple you over. But when the roots are allowed to go deep, you can stand strong through the hardest of storms and the driest of droughts. problem we're facing today in the church of God is that people are now afraid of the word of repentance. They're afraid to allow the Lord to go in deep. They're afraid to be exposed for their own hypocrisy because that means pain that they do not want to deal with when all the time the Lord is simply just wanting to grow them in a very serious way with the Lord. You see, there is so much issue going on in the churches today, so much false prophecy that's going on on Facebook and YouTube today, and people are soaking it up left and right. I mean, have you heard of the three days of darkness lately? Folks, I know there were three days of darkness in Egypt's time, okay? I know that there will be darkness again upon the earth. But I don't know about you, but I have tried to make it a, pr a practice that I do not get my prophecy from Catholicism that is outside of the biblical narrative. Okay, if you don't know where this comes from, just look it up on the web. Okay, but I do not get my prophecy from Catholicism. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not coming against Catholics right now. I'm simply trying to say, that I don't care what everybody on the web is saying. I'm going to get my word from the Bible itself, okay? I believe in men and women who have the gift of prophecy. Don't get me wrong, but it needs to be in the word, and I need to understand the source from which it comes, okay? And so, folks, there I am concerned right now that there is so much running around because of all these false stuff in the in, in being spewed right now that the body of Christ is completely, completely controlled and unhinged from any sound doctrine. You know what Second Timothy says, and I want you to hear this closely. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, we know that the Bible says that there will come a famine in the land where the word of the Lord will not be heard anymore. This all comes together into the last days. This is what happens in the end of time. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You see, the problem we're running in today is that modern day prophets are nothing but fairy tale tellers. Most of this garbage we are hearing over here is contrived from within the spirit of man instead of coming from the spirit of God. You see, the Spirit of God, when it rests upon a prophet in the Bible, leads the believer back to repentance and holiness and a deeper walk with God. The problem we're running into, these superficial prophecies, they only sometimes lead to fear, which never end up manifesting in truth, which ends up weakening the believer's faith, and they're not going to a deeper walk with God. We just saw it in the latest Trump prophecies from that big, time Trump prophecy guy, Mark Taylor, whatever. It was all false. It was fake. Yet he was selling books and people were eating it up left and right because he made this generic prophecy that came, you know, I can hit, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? And so he goes again this past you know, time here he sees on the last election for, that just happened and does all this prophesy, and he was dead wrong wrong yet he sold tons of books people followed him to the ends of the earth and they thought his man was a prophet from on high yet the word the things that he was saying are not grounded in the truth of god and this is going on over and over and over again Folks, I am all for listening to different programs. It's a great thing. It's a blessing. But if you're not actually picking up the Bible and reading it for yourself, then don't get mad at somebody else because they lead you down the wrong path. You see, when you read it in the Word and you pray about it, the Lord will confirm it, and he will lead you in the right direction and give you a spirit of discernment. But when you are only getting your messages from online and you are not spending time in this word, do not be surprised when you are deceived and led down the wrong path. God is trying to prepare his people to rely upon him and him only in these last days. My question is to you, are you in the word? Do you actually read the Bible you know, Jude warns about this in, the, in, in Jude, about this last days. He says, first, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, listen, this is what's going to happen. There are men that are coming into the church. Okay, they're ungodly men. 
Okay, they, they have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, which means licentiousness, meaning a license to sin, where you can do what you want to do, you can live how you want to live, you can act how you want to live, but because of grace, it's no problem. You can just be like, act like the devil and expect God to take you to the kingdom. And Paul says specifically, be ye not deceived. These people are not going to the kingdom. Drunkards and revelers and all these things. Read it. Paul says, quit. Quit fooling yourself. You can't praise the God in, in one sentence and, 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 and curse like the devil in the next sentence. And that's another thing that drives me crazy is Christian cursing. Quit calling yourselves believers, and then when you get out alone, when nobody's around, you start using swear words that are ungodly. You don't curse and then say blessings from the same fountain, from the same mouth. You don't get bitter and sweet water out of the same well. It's not what happens. And the problem we're running into is that these ungodly men who have come into the church, they've come in unaware, meaning they've let them just come in and take over. And these are the ones that are spewing this absolute garbage out here on the web in all kinds of different forms and on TV. And I remember something Paul Washer had said one time about these preachers like Joel Osteen and these big prosperity preachers, he said, you know, we talk about these poor people that are deceived that are under these preachers. And he said, they're not deceived. They're not deceived at all because this is what they want. And these preachers are God's judgment on them because this is what their itching ears desire to hear. If they want to hear these messages that are nothing but motivational speeches, how you're going to get a raise and God's going to bless you with riches, and, and you think that they're just deceived, this is what they want to hear. And if that's the kind of church you're going to, and if that's what you're listening about, folks, you need to wake up and get out and find somewhere else that you can hear a good word from the Lord. You know, Jude continues on in, his, in the Bible. It says, even in Jude verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So here... Jude's trying to remind us, saying, hey, listen, remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, yeah, they thought it was okay to commit fornication and go after strange flesh. We know the homosexuality and all the other wickedness that was going on. And he's saying, do you better not forget that? Because you know what happened to them? God sent down eternal fire on them and basically wiped them into oblivion. What he's Jude is trying to say here is, man, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself into thinking that, it's, that there's no need for repentance. There's no need for deep surgery anymore. Live as you want. Grace saves everything. Listen, folks, you, I, you've heard it a million times. I believe in grace. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's impossible to earn it because that would mean God owed you something. God doesn't owe anybody anything. But Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my commandments, meaning do what I tell you to do. Follow the things I tell you to do. Act the way I tell you. When he found the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he said, woman, where, woman, where is thine accusers? And, and she said, they're not here. He said, neither do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus started with forgiveness, but he said, stop doing what you're doing. You don't get a license to live like the devil 
and go in and say, praise the Lord when you're at church on the weekend. God is calling his church to repentance, to get right, to get bold, to share the good news. And he's trying to warn us in the word that this is true and we need to get right and get ready with the Lord. You know, if it was possible that Jude reminds us that the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. If it's possible that very angels of God that were around his throne could make a decision to fall, to walk away from the Lord, do you think that you can risk listening to this ridiculousness and not checking it out in the very word of God? Folks, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to base my direction and prophecy based on Catholic doctrines or anything like that. I am going to follow what the very Word of God says. And if somebody does come along with a prophecy, which I believe there are prophets, then I am going to check it against the Word of God. Folks, I have a program I did a couple of years or a year and a half ago or so um, about unholy days, rise of the false prophets, and in there I detail out from the Bible how you can know the difference between true and false prophecy. It's right there in the very Word of God. And so we need to do that. It's interesting. We know that the times are getting bad. We know that things are going rough. My question is, what are you doing about it? In Proverbs twenty-seven twelve. It says this, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple man pass on and are punished. Or, let, me, let me say it in the, in the New English translation. It says, a shrewd person sees the danger and hides himself, but the naive keep right on going and suffer for it. What he's basically saying is this, if you see something bad that's coming, then go hide yourself. Go do something about it. Get out of harm's way. You know, make a difference. Don't just stand there. You're going to get punished. If you see that it's the last days, quit just only listening to what other people are saying. Get in the Bible and start reading it for yourself. Get into prayer and start seeking the Lord. Begin to cry out and say, God, forgive me for what I'm doing. Lord, what would you have me to do in these last days? What would you have me to do for your kingdom? I'm telling you, folks, there is a storm that's coming, but the church doesn't care. The church doesn't care at all. All the pastors care about all the things is how much is my tithe? How much is the offering that's coming in? Is that good? Because I don't want to say anything that would ever endanger that. If you were in a flood plain, you know, it would probably be good if you put some sandbags around your home, right? If a storm was coming, a bunch of rain, and you were in a plane, you would probably do something about it. If you know that the last days are here, don't you think you ought to do something about your spiritual walk with the Lord? Don't you think you ought to do something to make a difference in the, your current path that you're with, on with Jesus? You see, every day we start out, we begin, we pray, we ask, the, we, we tell the Lord usually what we want to do, but rarely do we ever say, God, what would you have me to do? Lord, what is your desire for me to do? You see, when the threat is real, people will do something about it. But when the threat's not real, 
at least it's not real in their mind, then people in the church just keep going on and going on and going on. And folks, I've seen it. Some of these biggest name people that are out here on the web with these giant channels, and they're spewing all this stuff. And, and the way they're acting and things they're doing outside of this would absolutely appall each one of you. I, there have been people who, before I wanted to come on my show, until I found out what they were doing in their lives and what was going on from other, it shocked me. I couldn't believe it. These were so-called big names, people in the, in the remnant-type community of the, of the Watchers community. And I was shocked that the hatred and deception and things that were going on, I realized I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. I'm not going to sacrifice my audience in order to get ratings because I wanted somebody big on the program when I realized and found out the truth of what was going on in their lives. You see, I, you've looked around. You've seen the current state of the church, the adultery, the fornication, the, the divorce, the everything that's going on right now in the church. And, and nobody wants to say anything about it. We can't talk about abortion, can't talk about homosexuality. We can't talk about these things. We can only simply go on and say, I've seen it so many times and it's so frustrating. And I'm just taking a step back, and I'm saying to myself, why won't people prepare? And the reason they won't prepare is because they don't see the threat as legitimate. And folks, I'm not even talking about the threat that's coming, the threat of destruction and all that. That's a bad threat. You know what's even worse? That's the threat of this false doctrine that is saying it's okay to live how you want and call yourself a believer. There, I have never seen such craziness as some of the comments, emails, and things I get from so-called believers on the web saying curse words and everything else, and they're praising the name of Jesus, that they're the true prophets or whatever, and saying, talking like the devil to me. And these are the people that are calling themselves believers? I'm just wondering why don't doesn't anybody truly care enough to make a change? And folks, listen, we've talked many times on this program. I believe physical preparation is good if you can put some food and some water away. But listen, folks, that will not deliver you. And there are a lot of people that don't have any money to do any of that. The most important thing you can do right now is to spiritually prepare for what's going on. What's coming down the pipe? You know, it's amazing in the book of Ezekiel, when the Lord, chapter 9, when he looks out upon all the abominations and everything that's going on in Ezekiel chapter 9, and he asks, and he tells the angel, he says, you know, I want you to mark these people. It's not the scholars. It's not all the, uh, you know, priestly leaders. He says, I want you to mark those that sigh, those that weep, that cry, those that are broken over the abominations that are being committed. I want you to mark those people and destroy everything else. You see, what God was trying to say in Ezekiel is that these people that are broken and care about the, the tragedies that are going on in this world, those are the ones that share my heart. Those are the ones that care about the things that I care about. 
It's amazing. People will go out and complain about the color of carpet in their church, yet won't cry one tear over abortion that's being committed. They will go out and, and yell at their brother or sister or critique everybody else, yet don't even weep about the homosexuality that's going on or the adultery, or anything else. There's no tears for what's going on in the world. There's no brokenness. And unbrokenness comes from a place where you see these people doing these, and you have a heart from God that wants to reach out and to bring salvation through the power of Jesus Christ and sharing the good news. It's not this, this uh, brokenness to just condemn. It's a brokenness to desire salvation for somebody. And so my question is, why? Why are we not taking our walk with the Lord more serious than we are right now? I believe because there is a fog in Babylon at this time. I believe that there is a fog in the church. And believe it or not, what is called the church in many places is not the church that God talked about. This is the Babylonian church that is filled full of many voices and much witchcraft and sorcery. Oh, folks, listen, you may say, Frank, Brother Frank, that's crazy. I'm telling you right now that some of the sermons that are being preached are nothing but manipulation in order to get you to contribute more to their coffer, not to growing the kingdom of God. It is manipulation and witchcraft that's happening. You know, it's, God has always talked about a remnant. Now, I'm not talking about a remnant that has any particular name. I believe there are remnant believers in all churches around. Those who are struggling, who want the deeper things of God. And we all come to truth in different times. Slowly, the Lord reveals to us that stuff. But the remnant church are those that are not satisfied with the current state of what's going on in this world. They're not satisfied of what's happening. They're not satisfied that they're not hearing a good word. They're not satisfied that their family is going to hell. They're not satisfied that their best friend doesn't know the Lord. See, I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? They're not satisfied with that. They want to see people come to the Lord. It's God's desire that all would come and that none would be lost. You know, the book of Judges, I think, is a parallel in many times to what's going on today. In Judges chapter 17, verse 1, it starts out like this. And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it, and his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. And when he had restored the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from mine hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. So it's interesting here. This story kind of starts off. This lady... You know, she, her son talks about he had taken the, the shekels and everything, and he returned it, and blessed be thou the Lord. And she had, now this is the Lord, Yahweh. We're not talking about a false god. It's Lord in all caps in the Old Testament. That's talking about Yahweh, okay? And so she said that, 
she was blessed now because she had that money so she could make a graven or a molten image for her son. What kind of theology is that? She starts out with talking about the blessing of Yahweh, but now I'm going to mix idolatry in with it, and we're going to call it holy worship. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of gods and made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, the problem that was going on in the book of Judges, there was no king in Israel. They didn't want the Lord to be their king anymore. You remember what had happened when they finally talked to Samuel and they wanted a king so they could look like the rest of the nations? But here, this is before you can already see the rejection that's coming. God is not acting as their king anymore. And, and they've already rejected the Lord. And the problem is, though, is that they are doing that which is right in their own eyes, and they're calling it church. Calling it church. You see, when you first look at the story, the idol worship was very religious, and they dedicated it to God. He made his own breastplate. He made his own teraphim. Okay, he made his own son a priest, which was not even biblical. That only comes from Aaron. The priests do. Everything looked godly, but it was mixed with idolatry, but it was called holy in that day. And I believe that is what's going on in the churches in the United States. We are mixing idolatry in with Christianity, and we're calling it holy. And they're spreading it all over the churches and on Facebook and on YouTube, and people are just soaking it up. And so the God is very, very concerned about these last days. And he talks about strong delusion that is coming. He talks about a time when we as read earlier that no one will ever, well, they will not hear sound doctrine anymore. See, people are saying, tell me what's good and comfortable to my ears, but don't tell me I need to change. God loves me just the way that I am, which I agree with, he does. But he doesn't love you that little that he would allow you to stay in that place. Do you think God, if you're running off a cliff, would it be love for the Lord to just not say anything? No. He's been beating on our hearts, sharing with us the places we need to change. But we don't like to hear it very often. Because people don't care anymore. They don't care about the truth. I remember I was in a meeting, and I was told this. How can I say something is absolute truth if the Holy Spirit has not convicted someone? That's what this pastor said. How can he say that something is absolute truth if the Holy Spirit hadn't convicted somebody? What he was talking about particularly was that how, how he, he, had, he had had a kind of a come to his own uh, thoughts on LGBTQ, and he wanted to, you know, uh, 
not be so judgmental anymore and lighten up the, the, the pressure and all that stuff. And he's like, how could I, you know, condemn somebody or say something that's truth if, if the person hasn't been? doesn't matter if you've been convicted or not. The truth of God will always be the truth of God. You cannot change it because you don't feel convicted by it. I'm not trying to be difficult here. What I'm trying to say and warn people that are listening to this show is you better get back into this word yourself. You better start reading it yourself and stop taking everybody else's word from it, for it. Because, folks, listen, I'm not trying to deter you from listening to, to me or anybody else. What I'm trying to say is that you need to study it yourself. God says that he's sending strong delusion because people don't want to hear the truth anymore. The good news is, though, folks, is God is in the business of deliverance. You see, I've spoken all over at different churches. And I've shared some heavy things with people. And I've heard some of the saddest stories afterwards. And I've shared in many places my life of drugs and addiction, how God saved me. And I've heard many times afterwards people that were, had just been doing drugs right before they came to church or whatever else it is. And I'm, folks, I'm telling you, nothing shocks me when you tell it to me. I can deal with it. But I also share the good news of what happens when one of his children cry out to him. You see, this is the amazing thing about God. It doesn't matter that you've sat under these fat pastors who have been increasing themselves. It doesn't matter that you have messed up and, and, or gone you know, a very easy road or whatever you've taken, forsaken the truth of God. If you cry out today, if you make a decision today that I'm going to make a change, the Lord will come and help, and rescue. You see, folks, God is in the business of saving and changing. He's in the business of, of, of helping people out of these situations that they feel that they cannot get out of. Joel 2 says something so powerful in verse 32, and it shall come to pass, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. You've probably heard that many times at the beginning of this show. The truth is, God is ready to deliver anybody. Folks, I am calling you tonight, or whenever you're listening to this show, that there's a lot of deception out there, but it doesn't have to be a problem for you. I don't know all the truth, folks. I haven't met anybody that does. But what I do know is that God will keep me in his way and lead me in the path of righteousness if I will trust in his word and allow him to operate in my heart. You see, if you will cry out, if you'll hit your knees, if you say, Lord, I've messed up, I should have shared more. I wished I would have reached out more. God doesn't come with condemnation. He comes with a solution. 
And it begins with forgiveness. And it ends with a changed heart. See, I can't live in the past of my failures wishing I would have reached out more. And it hurts. But what I can do is make a change from this point forward. And make sure that I'm sharing with anybody and everybody that I can the good news that Jesus is coming again. It's real easy to hide behind a microphone and say what you want. It's another thing to come face to face with somebody and tell them about God's love. But it's been the times that I've been the most afraid. Greatest work. You know, I remember years ago I was down in North Carolina and I had, was in a subway, uh, not subway station, a subway food. And I went out. I was a pretty new believer. Um, I went out and sat in my vehicle. And while I was out there, I began to feel this from the Lord so heavy. Go and warn this person. Go and tell this person. Go, talk, go back in there. And I'm like, I do not want to go back in there. No way. This is embarrassing. And it was so strong that I finally gave in because I could hardly handle it. And I remember I walked back in and I looked at that man and I said, the Lord is trying to get a hold of you. And the look on his face told me everything I needed to know. What's God telling you to do today? Is he telling you to share with somebody the good news? Is he telling you to allow him into your heart? Folks, there's no more time to waste. It's time to come out of the church of the unrepentant and come into the church of the repented, redeemed, those that are working for the kingdom. See, God wants us to be useful, not useless. The whole point of becoming a believer is not to stay defeated, but to actually end in victory so that we can move forward to advance this kingdom. But you're going to have to let him do some surgery first. And I promise you, based on his word, that'll be the best thing you've ever had happen. It's time to come home. It's time to come out of the church of the unrepentant and allow God to make a change in your life. This is Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Oh,